Welcome to Emil Franzink's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Yes, indeedy, and welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with uh, Bunker de France. We don't need no stinking lawyers. <laughs> And Todd Roberts will be along soon. Uh, uh, he's stuck Hopefully. in Los Angeles traffic someplace. Yeah. And our guest uh, for today is uh, the former casting director for the High Chaparral series, Susan McRae. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the late Don Collier, who passed the last our week. Our remembrance. And we're going to remember his life and his career. And, uh, and what a great guy he was. Indeed. And we also have to remember the life and career of another great guy, whom both Bunker and I knew, and that would have been Gerald Corty. That would have been Gerald Corty, and Gerald was a cowboy, you know, not not a movie cowboy or a drugstore cowboy or a, or a Saturday night cowboy, but a real McCoy kind of cowboy. And Gerald worked and lived as a cowboy at the Empire Ranch from 46, 1946 to 1949, that's after he got out of the service. He was the first president of the Empire Ranch Foundation. He also worked for Jack uh, Greenway at the Sienega Ranch, and Greenway was one of the biggest ranchers here in southern Arizona, and one of the most important men in establishing the uh, museum downtown and just a real patron of Western history and Western art. He also worked other ranches in uh, many other capacities. Uh, He became a ranch accountant, which is a hard, hard job. And uh, so anyhow, uh, Gerald, we miss you. You were, you were a good friend, a good cowboy, and you know, we just wish you happy trails. All right, Susan McRae, welcome to the program. You're no stranger here. We're happy to have you back with us. I'm delighted to talk with you about my best pal. And, you know, it, it, before we went to air, uh, you had mentioned that uh, you were... It, it took a real special person for you to drive clear cross country to go see. Would you talk well, about that? Well, I wouldn't. In a covered I, wagon. I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't have done it for anybody else, believe me. And I'll tell you one thing. I know he would do the same for me. Um, yeah. He came, he drove one after late afternoon, all afternoon into the night to be with me mm-hmm. when there was a fire uh, here near me. And he said, I don't want you to be alone. And I'll tell you, that's a true friend. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's an interesting thing. I, I was talking about Don on another radio show uh, yesterday, and I finished up by saying, you know, one of Don's traits was that he called just about everybody pal, you know, the guys, and they all were pals. Uh, they, this guy, he could make friends like you wouldn't, and he, and not just friends, but the kind of people that say, Don here, if you're ever in Buscaloosa, you're going to stay with me for a couple of weeks, and we're going to go bass fishing. And he probably wouldn't have forgotten that. Oh, he and, did. And he would call him and say, hey, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you, you, you know why, don't you? A freed meal and a place to sleep? Of course. 
that's how. That's why he had so many children. He had a place to stay everywhere he went. You know, I, I wish I'd have been as smart as him because you know I'm an old bachelor, never had any kids that I can claim or know of, and. You know, it'd be nice to just drop in on them out of the blue and just scare the dickens out of them. <laughs> Todd Roberts has joined us. Welcome, oh, okay. welcome, Todd. Oh. Hello, gentlemen. There you are. Say hello to Susan. Susan, how are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Well, let's go back to Good. the 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 first time that uh, you ran into Don Collier, Susan. Uh, it, it, was it during uh, your casting days for High Chaparral, or, or had you two met much earlier? No, I met Don in 1967 uh, at, uh, at the set of High Chaparral, and then uh, we ran into each other in the office, in Kent McRae's office, and uh, there they were playing cards. So I figured... This has got to be a fun person. Boy, was I right. <laughs> yeah, to play dad, the cards with Big Daddy, you betcha. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. Was he and a, that is how Kent got his uh, initial name, you know. Don gave him yeah. B-Day, B-D. He <laughs> called him B-D. Yeah. As Big Daddy because he took care of everybody. Oh, always. yeah. What a wonderful pair those two guys were. You, you know, bet. You can go through life, and you'd be, it'd be next to impossible to have two better people than them Well, to be let me friends. tell you, they were both my best friends, and they were, and one was my husband. Yeah. So you can't beat it. Can't Which you? one was the husband? <laughs> I got to think for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were great. Absolutely great. Yeah. Bunker, Bunker, when's the first time you ran into Don Collier? Oh, uh, gosh, let's see. I I don't think it was Death Valley. It might have been Chaparral, but I seemed like I, because I, you know it, it's the community is small, and I think I, I think I was on a show or trying to get on a show up in Phoenix that he was working on, and and back in those days, you know, when Neil and myself were starting out, we'd just go out and hang out in the library till somebody would take pity on us and hire us, <laughs> and I think that's the first time I saw Don, but uh, you know just. On Chaparral, all of the guys, it was just like, it was a, it was a joy to work with the, the ranch hands, you might call them, you know, Summers, and Contreras, you know, Costa, Markwood, all those guys, Bobby Hoy especially. Oh, man, it was just a wonderful group of guys to work with and learn from. It was great. You know, Don and Bobby, of course, as you know, were, were like brothers. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, the two of them probably right now are playing cards somewhere and I, I think and probably being threatened by Kent. Um, but you know, the, the only the only other person that I remember playing cards and begging them to play cards with him was Mr. Bob Shelton. Yeah. Who of course everybody remembers at old Tucson. And uh, he was the worst player of all. <laughs> So they they couldn't wait to have him beg them to play cards, and oh. and uh, you know Don would say, "Let's get Bob Shelton. He he'd want to play cards." 
And boy, he'd lose a bundle, but he wanted to keep playing. Yeah. Were they playing pitch or hearts or some other wild card game? They played hearts. That's what I figured. Yeah. yeah. I love hearts. Or, I, or anything they or anything they could come up with. Yeah, yeah. I used I used, I love to play hearts and Red Morgan and Al White and especially uh, uh, Bill Hart. Clean me out. <laughs> they saw a pigeon when they saw they knew a pigeon when they saw one. So, oh, so, yeah. so do you play poker, Bunker? I played poker in the Navy, but I didn't play poker afterwards. And I did good, but I wouldn't play anything but five-card stud because I learned poker according to Maverick. Well, that's the only way to play. Yeah. Five-card stud. And it worked. Speaking, you know? uh, speaking of the Navy, I do want to mention something. Uh, you know, Don was in the Navy as well as the... Uh, um, Merchant Marine. Oh, Merchant Marine. Thank you. And, and I got to say, uh, I contacted the Navy. Uh, I'm going to give a, a little tribute uh, party out here for Don, and mm. they're going to come out and pay tribute to him, um, which I'm really looking forward to because he really deserves it. Let's face it, he lost a, he lost a finger in the Navy, mm-hmm. and, um, he, you know, that thing blew up in his hand. But, but the bottom line is I'm really looking forward to that because I, I'm calling it a gathering of love and laughter because, you know, that's one thing Don didn't want, and mm. that was... To be sad and and to give him some kind of uh, sad tribute, and so I promised I wouldn't do that, and and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to get a lot of cowboys together, and we'll we'll hoopty do it out. That'll be well. You know, this is an interesting thing. Don went in the Navy, and. When he left the Navy, he was a rear admiral. <laughs> no, really. Was he really, because he did he did uh, the winds of war and oh, war yeah, and yeah. remembrance. Right. Okay. And his his character was rear admiral Russell Clinton. <laughs> so you know, Don did quite good by the Navy. Well, he did. You know, they wanted to give him uh, a medal, and he said, "You know, you don't have to do that. You really <laughs> don't have to do that." And and they really did. They. They offered it to him, and he, he said, no, it's okay. In later years, he said, you know, I really should have. I, got, I, I would have gotten some wonderful benefits if I yeah. had done that. Well, yeah, but go ahead. That's, the, that's, that's how humble he was, yeah. you know. Well, that would have been an automatic Purple Heart right there. Yeah. Right, exactly. But he said, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, that's okay. Okay. Nice. So... But there, there was a man of gold. Honestly, he yeah. had a heart of gold. I'm not kidding. I, he, he, when he'd introduce me to people, he'd say, "This is the best girlfriend I have." <laughs> and I don't mean girlfriend, girlfriend. I mean a friend who's a girl. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Well, thank goodness for that, because I don't, I don't go for the other kind." Better than a better than a sister. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he was my pal, like he said, my pal. Yeah, you know, it was so it was so funny. I, uh, you know, when we like when we did the fiftieth uh, anniversary, and Neil and Don and I would sit there in the, uh, in the autograph room, and you know, waiting for somebody to wander by, but we had so much fun just just BSing each other and, and kidding each other, and and that's the wonderful thing about Don is you know he was a great kidder. Wonderful kidder. 
Oh, he, and he remembered the stories too. You know, yeah. I mean, he he remembered uh, everything to uh, to to repeat to fans and to make people laugh. And speaking of that, I must say one other thing. I want people to know if you were a fan of Don's and you loved him and knew him, I produced his one-man show and filmed it when we did it out here at Wyatt McCray's Ranch. And uh, it's available to anybody who wants to order one. Uh, all they have to do, and I don't mean to make this a big commercial, but I thought it would be kind of Make fun. it a commercial. Of course. For people to have, it can be uh, gotten online at 123cowboy.com. That's what you can order it, 123cowboy.com. It's called Don Collier, Confessions of an Acting Cowboy. You know, I've seen the show twice when we did the the Chaparral reunions, and... Mm -hmm. It, it is one of the most hilarious things because it, it was basically, it was just Don laughing at his life and, and the fun that he had and just the crazy misadventures. Well, and the thing, oh, yeah. he, he actually was a cowboy, you yeah. know, there was no question about that. I mean, he did work on ranches before getting into the, uh, into the movies after the Navy, right? Well, he, you know, he, his folks worked for Francis uh, Letterer an old-time actor, right. mm -hmm. and then when uh, Don got out of the Navy, he worked there at the ranch for a while, and Francis actually right. was the guy that got him into acting because he says, you're a good-looking kid, you're smart, uh, I'm going to give you free acting lessons, and this is like, you know, he was, Letterer was a legendary as a teacher. Mm -hmm. He later studied with Estelle Harmon, but I think probably uh, it was Letterer's influence that really got him going. Well, he wanted to take those lessons because there were pretty girls there. Oh, is there any other reason for a guy to be a, an actor? You know, <laughs> no, of course not. No, there is no other reason, and that's how, that's what got me into theater, uh, there you the go. theater arts class. Except I was a little misguided because I was convinced that you met the girls by being in stage crew. That's a good and, way. Uh, oh. That's where all my friends were in, the guys who smoked cigarettes and were cool <laughs> and rock and rollers, and they could steal beer out of uh, the great Henry Lachey's fridge, which was under his desk. It was full uh -huh. of beer. And the stage crew guys would steal his cigarettes and his beer. So I was like, and I knew all those guys, and I had to be with them. And he would give a speech at the beginning of every year with the new crew saying, all right, I'm glad to have you guys, but I'm going to say this just once. If I catch any of you stealing my cigarettes, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> and if uh, I'm if catch you stealing my beer, I'm going to smack you more than once. <laughs> and he so was an ex-biker. How many times did he smack you? Well, he wouldn't let That's the whole point of the story. He wouldn't let me in. <laughs> he said, I, I kept applying and pushing him and nagging him. And he said, uh, you know, Todd, uh, a fellow like you needs to be in the theater arts class. <laughs> and I was like, well, Mr. Lachey, I, 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 I really I, I want to be in the, in the stage crew. And he said, 
uh, I know why you want to be in stage crew. Because you and your hooligan friends want to steal my beer and cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm tired of fellows like you. And uh, you're going to be in the theater arts class. And let me dispel the great rumor. Well, Guys in theater arts get a lot more girls than the guys in stage crew. See, I always thought that it was musicians <laughs> that scored the biggest. And so I was a musician. And, but... I, I picked the wrong instrument. I was the drummer instead of a guitar <laughs> well, player. Oh, yeah. I loved my but, drummer. Are you, you kidding? Well, no. I'm, but you're right, Harry. The point is you, you, you can't do anything. It's the lead singer and the bass it's, guitarist. Yeah, yeah. lead singer, the bass yeah. guitarist, well, or, or whatever. And if there's a saxophone player. Yeah. But, you know, as yeah. a drummer, as a drummer, you're, you're there. You can't get away from the band. And you, and you got a wall in front of you. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, anyway. I couldn't be oh, a musician, after, though. But after the <laughs> But after the gig, you can get with the girl. There well, you go. True, but you I, couldn't, I, I couldn't be a musician because I can't count. <laughs> well, you know, who else, the problem. Got, who else got the girls was the bartenders. But, but the only trouble was you had to wait until after the bar was closed. Exactly. But you ever had a problem. Yeah. All right. We're talking about uh, ourselves right now, but uh, the program <laughs> is about uh, Don Collier. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he passed last week, and uh, we're, we are... So sorry to hear about that. Just having fun. We're celebrating Don's life with yes, uh, casting director from the High Chaparral, Susan McRae. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker de France is across the table from me. And uh, our freelance journalist audience member, David Member the studio audience. Is here with us as well. I'm At Harry the Alexander. White Stallion Ranch. We are streaming live from the White Stallion. We'll be back with much more right after these very important messages. Don't go away. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient. 
and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts. Our guest is uh, Susan McRae, and uh, she's the casting director, former casting director for the High Chaparral television series. And we're remembering and many other shows. And many other shows, of course. I went to heaven. And we're remembering the life and career of Don Collier, and I think that'd be one song that he would love. Yeah. You know, while, while we're remembering things, uh, I just want to say tomorrow is Todd Roberts' birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Todd. Happy birthday to Todd. Happy birthday to uh, Todd. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sing the world's shortest happy birthday song. All right. Here's your happy birthday song. It isn't very long. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank oh, you, Bunker. Encore. Thank you. Encore. Encore. <laughs> I'll do it in Chinese. Uh, thank you, Harry. Thank you, Susan. Now, that, now, Bunker, you're going to get us in trouble, but since you opened the door, I'm going to open so. it all the way. Um, I hate to say this, but uh, maybe Richard Pryor's funniest routine was the Chinese waiter who stuttered. And, and, he, and he couldn't get out the menu, you know, okay. and and the other waiters would stand over in the corner and laugh at him, <laughs> and the other Chinese waiters, uh, and it's just, it kills me every time I watch him do that routine, <laughs> so hearing you do that reminded you, thank you, but thank you for the birthday wishes, and, you know, Bunker, uh, I have to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dispel a great rumor about you, Uh-oh. Uh, you gave me a gift. I did. So, uh, yeah, you did. You sent me a gift and a very nice card, and I thank you for it. And, uh, you know, well, all you're supposed the things to pay that, for that. Oh, okay. Well, all the things that Harry has been telling me all these years are not, I was going to say, are not true. You can't trust. So, you can't believe Harry. Who told okay. you that? Well, see, Bunker it, comes. You dispelled it all. Bunker comes from the Don Collier school, I believe. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. What school is that? I'm not sure. Susan, you must have... Reform school. Yeah, right. Susan, you must have some hell of a stories uh, about Don during the uh, Chaparral days. I've got a couple of clips that I want to play, but we'll do those a bit later. I want to hear some of your stories uh, of some of the antics of Mr. Collier. Oh, my gosh. Well, Don, uh, Don was probably the greatest flirt of all time, okay? I called him the ladies' man of Chaparral. <laughs> not not Henry, you know, because Henry was known to be a flirt, and, and his role especially. 
But Don, oh my gosh, he'd look at you with those big baby blues, you know, and uh, and they would melt. He would, and he would probably play it to the hand. Uh, he, uh, there were some things that actually I would love to tell, but I know his kids are listening, so I don't <laughs> to talk about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can't, I can't really give the one-liner that he gave one of his friends, but I, I, uh, I do have wonderful stories that. When we're alone, we oh, can okay. talk about it. <laughs> well, you know, I've got a I've got a cowboy poem here that is kind of I think a nice remembrance of Don. It's not too long, and it's kind of it just it when I read it, it made me think of Don. It's called "Old Time yeah. Cowboys" by S. Omar Barker. Proudly they rode those horseback men, whose like we shall not see again. Those cowboys of a day long gone. Saddle Bronx before the dawn. They ride the long day into night, clan cousins to the Ishmaelite. Their marching music was the ball of longhorn cattle, and the call of high adventure stirred their blood. The horseback pride and hardihood. Dusty they rode, the salt of sweat was more to them than the alphabet, and more the drum of a horse's hoof than any fireside field or roof. Partners of wind, their spurs are rust, their cattle trails long settled dust. But o'er their campfires ashen embers, the steadfast northern star remembers that proudly they rode with their ancient pride of all bold men and true who ride. That was nice. Nice. Absolutely. You know, I, I remember... So, Susan, I have to ask you. Yes. I don't know Don other than through his films and, yes. of course, television. And you're probably the best person to ask. But my, what I, what I get out of Don's IMBD page and his Wikipedia page is he, I think, is a, a great example of those actors that live by the motto of that it's about the work. And it didn't matter what the work was. He was going to take it and do the best he could and just keep moving instead of looking up going, oh, that part's not good for me. I'm not going to take it. Because you don't do 200 credits without being that kind of an actor. Absolutely right. And I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, Don would always say, hey, if they're going to pay me, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think the bottom line is he really brought the best to everything that he did. He was natural. He was not an actor. He was a real person. People could relate to everything he did. And no matter what it was, and you're right, uh, he never turned down anything because he thought he could make something of something. And that's, uh, that's really something very important. Uh, there are, what is the old line? There are no small parts. Mm-hmm. Only yeah, small Stanislavski. Yeah, there are no small so, parts, just know. small actors. Right. So I, I, you know, even, I'll tell you the truth, even up until two months ago, he was offered something very small, but it was really meaningful to him. 
And he said, I'm going to do it. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But, you know, he, he, he was working up until the very end. That's for sure. Let me and give he, you. He, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, let me give you an example of Don is continually hustling. When we did the first interview on the show, uh, one of the sponsors after the show uh, called in and was talking with Emil, and he said, can I talk, can I possibly talk with Don? Oh, yeah. And and, and Don, Don said, oh, of course. Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and the guy, the guy says, well, you know, I'm, I'm one of the sponsors, and, you know, I've got this uh, garage, and I fix cars, and. Don said, well, I'll do a commercial for you. And, the, and he did. He actually did a oh, commercial. Yeah. In fact, they played it last week. Oh, yeah. Again, again, I hadn't heard it for a long time, but I thought you know that was just I so love, cool. I love, I love the Arbuckles commercials yes. that he yeah. did. Those are really, really good. And telling the history of Arbuckles and, and you know, that family is so wonderful anyway. Yeah. Denny and his wife. Yeah. Oh, they're wonderful people. And they actually came to see Don in Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, they they were there when I was there. And they're wonderful people. And he said, I would do anything for them. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, of course, then there's the Don who would say, come on, Suze, I'll take you out to dinner. <laughs> and then when the check came... <laughs> Uh, He's nowhere to be found. <laughs> well, it sort of laid there, you know. And well, his hat was on the floor. Sudden, he had to pick it up. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'd hear, call for Don Collier. Call for Don Collier. And I'd go, oh, geez, you know. Well, you I, know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of commercials, this is this is kind of some interesting things about Don's commercial work. He did he did uh, for Houston Light and Power. He did commercials for eleven years. Wow. Now you don't right. do that if you're not good. Yeah. The other thing right. he did he did was like and they were like they're legendary commercials. He did the Pace Picante, the voiceover yes. for years, and you know. New York City, New but anybody also did probably the commercial he's most famous for, and one of the most famous Western, Hubba the Gum Fighter for Hubba Bubba. Hubba Bubba and Buck oh, absolutely and Dub Taylor great. in those. With Dub, absolutely <laughs> yeah. great. Those are hilarious. And those and were he done loved out of, Dub. Those were, uh, went, were that, those were done at Old Tucson, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did a bunch of them there. They did them. He also went down to Australia for one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he loved another he loved example Australia. of Australia. That it wasn't about the, uh, you know, the 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 true example of no no small parts, just small actors is his role in Tombstone. You don't see his face, you hear his voice, but you, the the camera's on his back. He's he's looking at Kurt Russell as wider playing Pharaoh, right. and if you listen, you'll recognize his voice, but you don't know that it's him otherwise. And his character and was, you know, was the high roller in the script. Yeah. That is the most uh, difficult voice to duplicate. You'll never hear a voice like that. What do you mean? No, <laughs> won't do it. it well, it's as close as anybody's going to get. No, that, that's it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a one of a kind voice. Yes, it is. It really is. And, and, you know, he would call me in the morning. This was really interesting. He would call me in the mornings at 4 a.m. 
And he'd say, are you up? And I'd say, yes, I'm up. He says, don't you ever sleep? I said, not because you keep calling me. He said, well, he said, well, I don't think you ever sleep. And I said, well, the phone keeps waking me up, Don. I don't sleep because you call me at 4 a.m. He said, well, nobody else is up. <laughs> I, I, uh, I really appreciate the thought, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to go back to sleep now. Oh, well, okay. Well, an hour later, the call comes in again. Are you up yet? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It must have been some incredible chemistry between the two of you when you first met, or among the three of you when you and Kent met Don. It must have been some incredible chemistry. <laughs> it I mean, was geez. funny. <laughs> it was funny. It was a lot of fun. It was funny. There was a group of guys that hung out together in Tucson, even after the show, that that became very close. And I'll tell you, up until the other day, we talked about the certain restaurants we hung out at, yeah. the certain places that are no longer that we stay went to, the hotels where we stayed that mm-hmm. are no longer. I mean, all of the funny things that happened during those times were amazing. I mean, Bobby Hoy jumping from one ledge to another at the hotel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and all of the craziness that went on. And I, they were wonderful. But I look back at them and I think, you know, they could have killed themselves with the things they were doing. Or landed but in it, jail. <laughs> You know, that, remi- yeah. that reminds me of the great story that Don used to tell about him and Bobby uh, and, and uh, Kent. It seemed like they oh, were, yeah. they were up on, up, uh, somewhere up, upstate here on location, and Kent used to make a habit, because you know, he was, you know, if, if Don was up at four, Kent was up at three. <laughs> but, oh, absolutely. But uh, he, would, he would make a point of going around to all the rooms and make sure everybody was up there to make your call, because... You know, movie crews sometimes stay up late and party hard. But anyhow, so they know, and they saw they saw him walking by the room, and they had, they were sharing a room, and they had adjacent beds. This is Don and, Don and Bobby are sharing the room. Yeah, Don and Bobby were, and Don and, thought it'd and be. That's un, by uh, the way, that's unusual because Kent always made arrangements for that them to have separate rooms. But in this case, yeah, this was up in Big Bear, by the way. Yeah, and in this case. Uh, they couldn't do it because there was limited space. So he put Bobby and Don together. Yeah, because you know it was just short rooms. But so anyhow, Don Don has the great idea. He says, "Look, let's let's get in bed together." And when he comes in, you know, he'll get a laugh out of it. <laughs> so they're sitting there, laying there in bed, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. And he never comes by. Apparently, he saw them, knew they were up. But you know, so they're laying Hello. there. Finally. Don looks at Bobby, and Bobby looks at Don, and Bobby looks back at Don, and he says, it's your move, Barton. Yeah, and you know, Don tells that story in the show, and, okay. and you know, he, it's such a funny bit, you know, it's your, it's your move, pal. All right. And, and I, think, I think it was just priceless, and I said to Don once, 
do you think Kent really knew that what you were up to? He says, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I said, I said, so he let you lay there, right? He said, yes. Yeah, Kent could read minds. All right, we're going to be back. Uh, We're going to take another commercial break, and uh, toward the end of the commercial break here, you'll hear a a a, a drop, an an insert. Uh, It's Don Collier and Bobby Hoy uh, from the High Chaparral is the cut. So make sure you give it a listen. We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very important messages. We're streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Polash Management Company today at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchman to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but lack henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. 
See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Sam. Yeah. I've been thinking. You know about that five bucks? Yeah. Well, I guess I did borrow it. Well, that's great. I like to square that debt. Oh, yeah, I'll bet you would. Oh, pal, you keep it. You keep it and pay me later if there is a later. Because where I'm going, everything's free. But where you're going, you might need five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Voices of the West. Emil Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our freelance journalist David Layton is here in studio, uh, well, in an audience with us. He is the, he is the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and Did he ever get the $5 back? I, no, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. And so we're talking about uh, the life and career of Don Acallier. Here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, it's Movie Saturday. Yes, it is. You know, speaking of movies, you know, he did something that I, I'm, I'm jealous of him. And he worked on the Port Apache. He was only an extra, riding extra horseback and chasing Apaches. But that was one of my life ambitions was to work on a John Ford picture, and I never got to do it. And I'm, I'm insanely jealous. Insanely jealous. Yeah, and 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 he didn't and didn't realize. I don't I don't know it, it, when listening back to the interview when he talked about that. It, it's almost like he didn't realize uh, uh, John Ford was directing that. <laughs> well, it's you know, hard to believe. You know, you. I I know when I was first starting out, Neil and Summers and myself, and we were going around to these different shows and getting on and being part of the posse or the gang or whatever. Uh, you know, we didn't really care who the stars were or anything. It was just horsebacking with the cowboys, with the wranglers, and those were the guys that were our heroes. And I'm sure Don was probably the same way. You know, he was probably more impressed with the stuntmen and the and the wranglers than he was with uh, the big guys. Susan, did Don consider himself more of a stuntman uh, than an actor? No, he didn't. But but he certainly rode well. Yeah. And yeah. He certainly he certainly knew how to handle a horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but no, he was not a stuntman. They they are a, a business all their own, and the the best in the business, and never recognized. Like Kent said, they're not recognized enough for what they did. Uh, the Western uh, stuntmen were just outstanding, and. You know, the one thing about Bobby Hoy that we all admitted was he would never, ever, ever let an actor or anybody be alone doing any kind of writing. He would always be right there to make sure they're okay, to make sure that nothing happened to them. That's a great stuntman, somebody who's not trying to look so terrific to... To anybody, he's just protecting everyone and the horses as well. Right, safety. I, I, you know, it's really important, really important 
But Don Don was uh, terrific because, as you said earlier, he he you know worked on that ranch and he he did a lot of work on the ranch and he was very familiar with horses and riding and. Of course, you know, when you ride next to John Wayne, you got to look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. You know, it's, it's one of the things that Don brought to Chaparral and that, the, that the, the crew we had on there, the, you know, the guys that were playing the ranch hands, Bobby and all that, these were guys that were comfortable around cattle. And that makes a yeah. big difference when you're shooting a picture uh, because all it takes is one, one wrong move and you, you've messed up the shot. Don, oh, absolutely. Don always yeah. had some great stories about uh, those uh, with whom he worked, and uh, John Wayne was no, I mean, he always had stories about him, but he's got a favorite story from uh, an interview that we had with Don way back in 2015 or 16, and uh, when he was uh, on this show, uh, when it was still on commercial radio, and he was asked about uh, uh, Jack Elam, and this, I think, is, oh, one, is of the, one of the great stories about Jack Elam. So here, here, here we go. Jack called me one time down here after I moved down here. Uh, had to be in, I don't know, the, around 1980 or 9, somewhere around there. And he says, listen, Don, he says, I bought a house down there by the university. And he said, my daughter's going to go to school down there, so I bought a house down there. I said, when did you come down? He said, I haven't seen it. And he says, I want to come down and look at it. He says, can you pick me up at the airport? I'll buy you lunch. And I said, okay. For a free lunch, I'll go out and get you, Jack. So I, I went out and picked him up. We came back to the uh, the old uh, Sheraton Hilton. We were all staying down there, and we had lunch. And the waitress came over, and she says, you guys want a drink? And I didn't say anything. And Jack says, yeah, bring me two martinis. So I said, well, I'll take it. Give me a martini also. And she, she left. She came back. She says, why two? He says, well, I've got two hands. <laughs> and he, she started to walk away. He says, wait a minute. He says, don't leave yet. And he tasted both of them. And he set them down. And he says, bring me another shot of, of vodka. Says, this one's a little light. So she did that. <laughs> so we drank those, and we go over to see the house. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this is an old house in the Sam Houston neighborhood over by the university. And a lot of those houses they used to build to accommodate handicapped people because people come down here for their for the health of lots. We walked in the house, beautiful house, beautiful old house, well maintained, and uh, it had wide hallways because wheelchairs and that kind of thing. And Jack says, "Well, this won't do. I have to get rid of." It. I said, "Wait a minute, it's a beautiful house, Jack. What are you talking about?" He says, "The halls are too wide." I said, "What difference does that make?" He says, "Well, when I'm drunk, he says, uh, and I walk down the hall." He said, a lot of times I fall over to one side, and he said, if the hall's too wide, I'll fall right on the floor. He said, I have to sell this damn house. <laughs> and he did. He sold the house. I can just see that, too. Oh, okay. oh boy. Okay. Boy. That was a great pair, the two of them, when they'd get together. Oh, God. Jack was such a sweet man. Such a good man. You know, he almost, uh, he almost killed me. We were working on Dirty Dingus McGee, and him and Bob Trehune were, just, were sitting down together telling each other stories. And, I mean, they would kill you. You're laughing so hard. And there's a ton of people around her, and I'm sitting in this old uh, prop chair, cane-bottom chair, but it didn't have any bottom in it, so I'm just sitting on the edge. 
and I got to laughing so hard I got a catch in my side and fell back in the hole. And I couldn't stop laughing and I couldn't get out and I really did. I thought I might die of a you know something. You know, I remember being on the set and Jack was there and he came up to Kent and he said, Kent, would you like to have a drink? And and Kent said, Well sure. He said, well, what would you like? And he opened up one side of the of his coat and there were bottles on that side and opened up the other side and there were different bottles on the other side. He said, and what will you have? <laughs> I mean it was just it was hysterical. Oh, great. Oh, boy. And on that note, I think we better do our final commercial break here. Uh, this is Abel Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts, our guest, Susan McRae. We're talking about Don Collier. We'll be back. Cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry. 
an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. I got witnesses right here to prove that Wilton murdered Fred Wynn. That's right, I heard him say so. Oh, and by the way, Sheriff, I got Ware inside. You might as well take him along, too. I got a signed confession that he framed my father into the asylum. So you see, boys, all it takes is a little frontier justice. Good day. This is the Voices of the West. And a silver buckle set And a Palomina pony to ride A Stetson sombrero with five X's in the band A pair of shipless spurs and a great big patch of land a pair of Justin boots I'll have with seven rows of stitching. We're back on Abel Francie's Voices of the West. Harry As we were coming out of the commercial break, we experienced a power problem. We lost it. We'll wind down this segment with Don recollecting the first and only time he remembers kissing a woman on screen. The one thing I remember about uh, Death Valley days is that's the only time I believe that I ever kissed a girl on screen. And that girl was Rhonda Fleming. Ooh. And, but she Ooh. she got more than seven fifty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she got, but she got you. Well, <laughs> that, that was a bargain, I'll tell you. And to close the show now, a special tribute to Don Collier, put together by his longtime friend, Susan McCrae. The first time ever I saw Hello everyone, this is Susan McRae. My dear pal, Don, would like this very much, I know, and I would like to share it with you. It is a quote written by my friend Michael Landon, and I think a lot of you might remember it. It's called, Remember Me. Remember me with smiles and laughter. That's how I'll remember you all. If you can only remember me with tears and sadness, then don't remember me at all. Don, I'll toast to you this evening with a martini. I'll miss you, pal. And that's it for this edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. For our next program, we'll be traveling to Wilcox for the annual Rex Allen Days event and the Wild Bunch Film Festival. We'll stream live from that event. Until next time, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.